This is the Coast and Country podcast from the BBC. You can find the terms and conditions on our website at bbc.co.uk forward slash radio 4. Today you can hear open country. So this is a poisonous species. It won't kill you, but if you had a plate full of those, then it does make you sick. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to taste it. So you're joking. I am going to ask you to taste it. John? Just nibble no, a little bit. Nibble a little bit. <laughs> Just put it on the tip of your tongue, and if you get any hotness, then spit it out in, a, in as ladylike a fashion as you can. I'm nervous. Off you go. <laughs> that, that wasn't very ladylike. <laughs> It's very hot. Very and hot indeed. That's uh, chilly hot. That is. It is chilly hot, but uh, mm. I mean the the burning sensation or two. It does. It's okay. We'll wear off after a couple of days, so you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Um, open country this week has come to the new forest in Hampshire, and we're on a fungal foray, kicking around in the needles here on the uh, forest floor. Uh, why? Well, because the generally mild and wet autumn weather has led to a bumper crop of wild mushrooms and other fungi but it's also led to a, a slightly deadlier harvest if I can put it that way um, an increasing number of people have been going to hospital seeking medical help for eating the wrong kinds of mushrooms that's not going to happen to me because my guide today the behatted John Wright uh, knows more than a thing or two about wild mushrooms there we are John our first fungi well well you done for you spotting don't need a hat those. for those do you well done for spotting those yes it's not a bad start i would have liked something a little bit more edible than this oh this isn't edible it's sadly not edible there's there are actually quite a, a small number of species that are edible perhaps about 10 percent of the species in this country are edible this one's not sadly it's rather a pretty thing it's called calibia perinata the wood woolly foot because it grows in the woods and i don't know if you can see at the very base of the stem it's rather woolly hence wood Woolly foot. Woolly foot. Right. So if I ate that, what would happen to me? Oh, it just doesn't taste very nice. I mean, that is, that is a general rule. Most things just don't taste very nice. A few taste really good, a few will make you quite ill, and a few will kill you. And are we likely to find, not that I want to particularly, certainly don't want to eat them, but if we, if, if, if we go around this little bit of forest here, not far from Burley, might we find the, the deadly types? We may well find there's at least one deadly species which is extremely common, that's Paxillus involutus, and that's the brown roll rim. It's a strange fungus, it won't kill you straight away, but if you eat it over a period of weeks, months or even years, eventually your body reacts against it and destroys all your red blood cells and, uh, and you die. What surprises me is within two or three paces we've found three or four different types already, so it, it's not difficult to find them. It, is it largely weather related will these just disappear once the hard frost gets into the ground yes I, there are two things uh, related to weather which are really important in the fungal world people say what brings the mushrooms up and it's always the same thing it's rain 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 and rain that's what brings them up or uh, what does what finishes them off well it's dry weather will slowly uh, finish them off but ultimately it's the, as you say it's the hard frost because they will just freeze solid and and die when you talk John, there's a bright light shining in your eyes. This gets you going, doesn't it? This it is your does, thing. It does. So where did the story start uh, for you, uh, your fascination with, it, with it fungi? It started where we are today in the New Forest. Yep. I, I lived in Portsmouth and we went uh, to Plymouth on holiday with my family and we stopped here on the way back and I found a little fungus. It's called Daldinia concentrica. I don't know if you know it. It's, it's uh, cramp balls or King Alfred cakes. It grows on ash trees. It's a hard charcoal-like substance, completely round, maybe inch, two inches in diameter and I couldn't understand how anything so dead looking could be alive 
and I, I had to know what it was. This is 1965, this is a long time ago. I, I went and bought my Observer Book of Fungi, and I still have it on my bookshelf today, and that, that's really where it started, so a long time. We're in the shelter, the shade of a big old fir tree, but you're interested in what's here um, at, its, at its foot. Uh, is this one of the edible ones? Sadly, no, oh. yet again. Ooh, what have we got here? Uh, this is a white form of uh, the false death cap. Now, this is not the death cap. It is the false death cap. Let's have a little sniff. I'm getting a little bit of raw potato. It's a little bit gone over now. Raw, raw potato? Yeah, I'm not quite sure how much you're going to get off that one. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. So, when you say false death cap... It's a false cap. death cap. It's, it's Amanita citrina. Mm -hmm. uh, rather than Amanita phylloides. Amanita phylloides is by far the worst poisonous fungus. It, is a res it causes 95% of all fatalities due to mushroom poisoning. Um, we haven't found it today. We found the false one. This is not actually poisonous. I don't think it will do you any good. It won't do you any great harm either. It uh, has this uh, unpleasant flavour of raw potatoes. It doesn't have a proper bag at the base. If you're out in the wild looking for fungi and trying to identify them, it's very important to get the whole thing back uh, in good condition. So I always very carefully dig the whole thing up. This will ensure that you get the base of the stem. The base of the stem is, is critically important if you want to eat fungi, indeed if you want to identify fungi in general, because uh, there are many characteristics there which are important to observe. Uh, most important of them is the bag at the base of a death cap. This has a, like a sheath which the whole fungus burst out of at some point and if you've lost that then you've lost an important characteristic and i guess that's what puts most people off the thought that there could be a misidentification but if you're careful you can be almost certain or completely 100 percent certain you you have to be 100 percent certain and I, I really ought to dispense now with the old wives tales there are a lot of these silly tales the worst one by far is can you peel the cap people say if you can peel the cap then you can eat it well, if I had a death cap here with me today, I could peel the cap of that. This is the worst piece of foraging advice in the world. You know, it would lead to an untimely death. Uh, there is only one, well, there are two ways. You can either eat it and find out what happens, not to be advised, or you can identify it, and that is really the only thing that works. You, if you pick anything to eat, you must learn its name. If you can learn its name, then you can look it up, see if it's edible or not, and then you're fine. Oh, oh look at these. These are quite magnificent. This looks like a, an old lung or a bit of old cabbage or uh, cauliflower. Cauliflower. It's a, cauli it's a cauliflower fungus. Oh, right. So, oh, well, this is, this is a, a great tree. It's one of the best of the edible species. There's probably um, half a pound of it here, I think. These grow to an enormous size. I've, I've seen them two feet across, you know, weighing several kilograms. Uh, it's, it's a really good nutty flavour. It's like twisted, flat leaves. It's quite, uh, quite brittle. It's creamy coloured. I wouldn't dream of eating something that I came across on the forest floor like that. It looks like uh, someone's coughed up their lungs or, as I say, a, 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 an old cauliflower that's been discarded from a bizarre kind of picnic. But taste-wise, got to taste cook it? Or? One of the best. Yes, you should, you should cook it. I don't think it's absolutely essential to cook it, mm. but it's certainly much better cooked. Uh, this is one of the best, best, best edible mushrooms. This is in the top 20. You know, this is a great prize. It grows under pine trees, um, usually at the base of a pine tree. And uh, what do you think? It tastes mushroomy, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, it but it's nice. It is, it yeah. is very nice. Mm. I do feel that honour has been satisfied, and after showing you a few scary things, I find he's shown you something you can have for your breakfast. We're kicking through the leaf litter at Gorse Meadow in the uh, New Forest, and I'm with 
Brigitte T, who to those in the mushroom world is known as Mrs. T because she supplies mushrooms to some of the top London restaurants. You see, when I go for a walk at this time of the year, I'm busy looking up at the trees and seeing the leaves turning yeah. and, and enjoying all of that. And you're head down on, on the forest floor no, because that's where the no, catch no, crop is No, no, you might be barking up the wrong tree. Really? Go on. Yes, because uh, at this time of the year, we still have beefsteak growing on the trees. And they are blood red and uh, they get served in the restaurants like beefsteak with chips and hollandaise sauce. So I stand corrected. Looking all around you, there could be um, mushrooms a, a commercially and, viable and fungus somewhere. Chick chicken of the wood, which is a bracken mushroom that grows on oak trees and chestnuts and yew trees, is very much in demand now, but you can't import it, so you can only get it mainly from the new forest. Chicken of the wood? Yeah, chicken of the wood. It's because it tastes like chicken? or Yeah, it smells like chicken, it tastes like chicken. It's more <laughs> expensive than chicken. And the biggest one ever I found was about 50-odd kilos. 50 kilos? In one, one mushroom. So, no, uh, how should I say, no walk in winter is ever wasted if you know what to look for. And that level of expertise is critical to you because it's a, it's a commercial venture. Uh, that 50 kilogram chicken of the wood, yeah. uh, I mean, how much would that be worth to you business-wise? Uh, well, 20 kilos, 20 pounds a kilo. All the new forest mushrooms get sold at 20 pounds a kilo except seps. And they normally range between 25 and 30 pounds a kilo. If you want to be on a diet, eat mushrooms because they fill your stomach. That's why they say you mustn't eat too many mushrooms. Well, the other reason, of course, we've already discovered is if you eat the wrong kind of mushrooms, it can lead to, to renal failure, to liver failure, to, to cardiac arrest in extreme circumstances. But it can also lead to different kinds of arrest, literal long arm of the law arrest in your case. <laughs> tell tell me about that. You got your collar felt by the old Bill because you were picking mushrooms in the new forest. Well, let's, it wasn't quite as simple as that. I've been picking mushrooms since '74. And I happily went around my business until 1997, when my first mushrooms got confiscated. So they arrested you, yeah, you went to the police station. And they took my boots away, so I couldn't hang myself on the string. Yep. They took my coat away. Treated so. like a common criminal. Absolutely. So you were prosecuted, and eventually the case came to court. What happened in court? In June or July 2006... The judge found that he would rather put criminals into jail rather than little old ladies picking mushrooms. I didn't like the little old lady bit very much. <laughs> and what this means now is that your name has been cleared and you are the only uh, licensed commercial picker of mushrooms within, within the New Forest. Look, putting yourself through all that legal trouble just shows you how either A, the business is very good... Or B, how into mushrooms you are? Possibly a combination of the two. Uh, a combination of it. But what is it about mushrooming, uh, fung like, fungal foraying? It's, that... it's an addiction. And that addiction, does it give you a sort of tightening in uh, the tummy muscles? No, does it it your heart start beating yeah, a little bit It makes your heart uh, start beating faster, definitely. There are people, though, who say that if you pick too many, a bit like overpicking um, a, a flower or a plant, it would end up... <coughs> taking the strength away, sapping the energy of that plant to the point where it withered and died. You, you disagree with that? Well, I, I can prove that I'm there wrong and I'm right. If you pull a mushroom out of the ground, and it doesn't matter which mushroom it is, yeah, you can see little pinheads 
And that is your next mushroom, and your next mushroom, and your next mushroom. A hedgehogs, for example, they grow in figures of eight, and sometimes you can have figures of eight going right through the woods for miles. Hedgehogs. Hedgehogs. A hytnum repandum. They got needles underneath, and you can recognize them. But here again, if you have a row, you don't cut all of them because they like company. So you only pick the biggest ones and leave the small ones behind and 10 days afterwards you go back and you pick the next lot and then the next lot and that is looking after your own crop yeah you don't pick everything uh, absolutely and i guess that's the concern that people have that if if too many people were to do it in an ill-informed way not to know the that the special things that you know about for example these hedgehogs yeah. that like company then it could decimate a well, no, the spores, no, only for that year. The mm. spores will always be there. So it would only ruin the crop for that particular year. One thing we haven't touched on is whether in your long and illustrious mushroom-picking uh, career, Brigitte, you've ever eaten a wrong and, and made yourself ill. Have you? Uh, yes, I have. <laughs> oh, really? It's an occupational hazard, I guess. Yes, uh, there is a mushroom which uh, is belongs to the Rusula family. And my mouth was numb and my tongue for half an hour. And I must say it scared the living daylight out of me. And I'm just wondering what happened if I swallowed it. Uh, you know, everybody knows the fairy mushroom, the toadstool, as hmm. they call them. They are not toadstools. Right? There are only mushrooms or fungi. Total is an English word. But the uh, red and white one, the fly agaric, right? uh, that is full of LSD. And the Eskimos feed them to their reindeer and then drink the urine afterwards and get as high as a kite. And that's true. Guaranteed You're pointing you. at me because I look a bit sceptical here. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just pulling my chain, No, 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 really? no, 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 you find that on the internet. This must be Mr... Did you hear that story? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. We're not nice. drinking nice any of that this morning, are we? <laughs> no, no, no. no. I, let's I, get inside. Let's go inside, shall we? Right. Well, okay. a little bit of preparation is going on. Let me explain what's happening. We're in the Mrs. T's kitchen. The uh, cooker here has just been lit and uh, conjuring up a mushroom dish for us is going to be John MacArthur of the New Forest Cookery School and um, he's used to running mushroom masterclasses. Marvellous. Yeah, I was thinking about doing some brioche. I've got some brioche here and if I toast some brioche we can maybe take some slices of the puffball mushroom, saute them in butter, yeah. put it on top of the brioche. Yeah. I've got some nice fresh asparagus. I would use this as a starter, and the puffball mushroom has got a nice, a nice sort of meaty type of flavour. So we're just going to saute this in a bit, bit of uh, oil, and olive oil, and a little bit of butter, and then we're going to turn it over. We need to get a bit of heat there now, and then we're going to toast our. Oh, that's looking good. Yeah, I've just toasted the brioche. And then we've got a nice big piece of mushroom. See that? Now it's coming along nicely. A nice little bit of colour on it. That's got a lovely golden brown colour yeah, there. Yeah, nice golden brown colour. We're just mm -hmm. about ready to lift it out and put it onto the plate. Right, so there we go. And take that one out. Place it directly onto the top of that. And then we've got three pieces of asparagus. <laughs> 
to go onto the top of that. And then I've got some hollandaise sauce, which I've infused with some tanagin. And then I'm just going to coat that onto the top. So we've got a brioche toasted on the bottom there. Nice big thick tranche of mushroom on there. And then three pieces of fresh asparagus, which I've cooked and they've been buttered. Put the tarragon sauce over the top there. And then I'm just going to lift that and put that under the grill. And then I would serve that as a starter, as a canopy type starter. Are mushrooms back in vogue? Have they never been out of it? How I don't think they've ever changed? been out of vogue, to be honest with you. I mean, I use, I use mushrooms a lot at the cookery school. Um, you know, we, we've got a mushroom course, and I think one of the attractions of the mushrooms is that people actually want to go out and do the foraging for it, and then come back and cook what they've actually found. And I think that's one of the things we find at the school, um, that it, it's, it's exciting. But mushrooms, for me, have never really gone out of... Out of fashion, um, you know, we've got a lot of mushroom dishes on the menu at our fine dining restaurant at the school. The versatility that a large mushroom like that gives you the in the kitchen, ball. the puff ball, is fantastic. You know, you can do all sorts of things. We cut them into sticks, deep fry them in breadcrumbs and stuff like that. Is there um, a difference in taste uh, from your perspective as a chef cooking with wild mushrooms rather than a... Um, a farm to be cultivated. Uh, yeah, produce. I mean, I think they've all got a very different flavour. That, that, that's the main thing. They've got a very different sort of flavour. You know, I started the program, John, talking about how the appetite could be blunted by the thought that uh, what you're about to pop in your mouth and chew might just cause some you know, strong hallucinations or even worse, uh, sudden death. But uh, the smell of all of this and, and, and the reassurance from the experts that if you know what you're doing, you can find the right ones has, yeah. has kind of sharpened the appetite back up again. I mean, look at that. That's, seeing that going that's on the plate. quite a nice-looking dish, isn't it? And how quick Superb. and easy, easy is that to be able to do? Just to fry off some, some onions. You've got a little bit of cooked fresh pasta, and you put in some walnuts in there, and then you've added your mushrooms, sweat down your mushrooms for a little while, finish it off with your sage bit of salt and pepper. And a try a hedgehog. And you can try a hedgehog. <laughs> a hedgehog mushroom. That's good. Hmm. Nice. Those um, hedgehog mushrooms, Mrs. T, yeah. are well yeah. worthwhile. There are hundreds of different organisms that live in one of these trees alone. Huge, great trunk, but relatively small limbs above because they're the things that are constantly getting Exactly, but off. lots of nooks and crannies and holes for birds and bats and insects and lichens and fungi and goodness knows what else. We're standing by um, some broken trees. These have been pollarded, but they have certainly seen better days. And I'm with uh, one of the new forest keepers, Howard Taylor. It looks dead. You pick up a twig, it snaps easily, but what the fungi are doing are helping break this all down and replenish the trees that are still standing hereabouts. What one kind of family of, fun of fungi are doing, yeah, the, the, the saprophytic fungi break down dead leaves and organic matter and make it available to the next generation of trees, if you like, and plants and everything else that lives in the forest. Without fungi, we would be walking through 10 or 12 feet of, of leaf litter, undoubtedly. They are you know, working away silently, sort of gradually breaking down all the organic matter and converting it back into uh, nutrients that are able to be taken up by plants and trees. The cycle of life? The cycle of, of the forest, exactly, of the woodland. Mm. Now, the instinct would be to clear these fallen trees up, but a slower but more efficient, ultimately, job is being done by the 
I say fungi, you say fungi, I say fungi, you say fungi. Which, which is it? It's either or. Either or, right. But basically, yeah, they're the decomposers, or part of the decomposers. They're putting the goodness back in. Yeah. And the other sort of group of fungi actually help or uh, have a mutual um, relationship with the growing plants and trees by intertwining with their root system. There is a very uh, interesting relationship which we don't fully understand across the board called a mycorrhizal relationship and it's where the fungi and the plant or the tree roots benefit each other. Equally, the plants photosynthesise and fungi don't, so they produce sugars. So the fungi, the, the mycorrhizal fungi, benefit from the sugars that the plants are producing. So much of the, the fungi, the fungi, is, is hidden beneath this deep Mass- uh, layer yeah. of leaf litter and, and, yeah. and beneath the soil underneath that. Unbelievably large amount. It's pretty much the oldest, the largest and the heaviest living organism on our planet. And obviously there's many, many different species. Ironically, the majority of mycorrhizal species are the edible fungi, are the ones that we are increasingly, you know, with our cultural change and TV chefs and so on, we're increasingly into collecting. We, we don't have much semi-natural woodland left in the, in the British Isles, especially not in sort of commutable distance from the larger conurbations where a lot of the tv chefs live so the new forest has a much higher proportion of pressure from just the individual pickers than for example an equivalent woodland in scandinavia where they have vast tracts of ancient forest and are you concerned that if uh, fungi is taken on a on a commercial scale that's when it begins to have an impact on the the ecology of the of the new forest most definitely you know fungi command quite a good pounds shillings and pence for, for for collectors you know if they're if they're going to sell them for example you know i heard from a restaurateur only a couple of weeks ago that he was buying seps penny buns porcini whatever you want to call them picked illicitly if you like from the forest and sold for 20 pounds a kilo and that's the, the trade price so it doesn't take you long to pick a kilo of seps you know when they're in season when they're up and i think you know we've we've witnessed this year some large gangs of organized pickers and unfortunately we've seen them a collecting some of the very rare biodiversity action plan species which okay are edible but it's actually breaking national law to 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 cut them from the tree Um, and secondly we've witnessed how can i say broad sweeping collection where a group of guys are, are picking everything that looks remotely edible they're bringing them back to a central location you know in a new forest car park where they're talking to their resident identification chap mm. and he's discarding everything that isn't edible so it, it, the, the wastage is a bit like this um, is equivalent to the bycatch that's thrown over the side of a trawler because exactly. it's not a permitted species exactly right yeah and and that obviously has a has a very much a um an unknown effect on the forest not only are you entering into the quieter sort of nature reserve areas of the forest where the general public don't tend to go so there's a sort of wildlife disturbance factor there but you're also picking by means that probably isn't recommended you know we we need to make sure that this is here for our children and our children's children so have you got the law on your side we do and we don't um you know commercial um extraction of fungi or commercial collection of fungi from any land is is considered theft as far as i understand mm-hmm. so it becomes you know a, cr- a crime mm. proving it is another matter
so if we look up, uh, this particular one is, is, is beautiful, isn't it? Uh, it's a in its autumn colours, you can see a big beech autumn. tree. It's as mighty, it's as tall as it is. What do we say, 90, 100 feet at least? At probably. least, yeah. It's because of the fungus that it's that size? It's certainly because of the fungus that it's that healthy. Everywhere you cast your eye, it, on this planet, there, there, there is fungi. You know, in the air you breathe, there's fungi. On the bark of that tree, there's fungi. In the forest floor, there's fungi. It's, it's, it's absolutely everywhere. It's something that's really, I think, kind of unsung, you know. For the sake of eating a few wild mushrooms or being able to sell a few wild mushrooms, we should be very careful of um, making sure we're doing that in a sustainable way and, and, and a way that we can guarantee the future.